struggling to justify how we can say that anybody actually ended up winning that championship. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Pod of 2013, we're recording much closer to Christmas than we normally do because of the delays to the end of the season. Um, so, in case I forget to say it towards the end, Merry Christmas if you celebrate it and you're listening to this. Um, we've had an exciting last couple of weeks. The last couple of weeks where this torneo inicial really could only have been decided by all four teams who were left in the title race, copy it up, which is exactly what they did. They all bottled the chance to win. San Lorenzo uh, drew nil-nil away to Vélez Sagesfield, and thanks to Lanús and Newell's old boys drawing 2-2 in the Rosario, that handed them the title on Sunday just gone. Uh, that followed all of the other matches having been played a week previously, just after last week's episode was uploaded, uh, last, the previous episode was uploaded two weeks ago, today, as we're recording. Um, and in between that time, Lanús have added a third major title uh, to their trophy room or whatever uh, in winning the Copa Sudamericana uh, which they're quite convinced is a major title so we're going to review all of this as well as some um, both quite hilarious and very important goings on politically speaking at River Plate this uh, thrilling kind of stuff that we've got for you on Hand of Pop this week where shall we start Jens? we're not going to talk about Maxi Lopez Wandanara and Marigardi I'm pretty sure that's the biggest Story of it. It's the biggest I've, I've story just, just realised, by the way, I completely forgot to introduce you. Though. Yeah, we're, we're no one knows who's talking now. We're extremely offended. Um, I was thinking that. I was, was bubbling inside. Such an effort to come along. First, yeah. he doesn't say about Maxi Lopez and Wanda Nara, and then he doesn't introduce us. Well, well. On, on time oh, as well. We're not going to be saying anything about Maxi Lopez and Wanda Nara. Ah, come on. Um, Maxi Lopez is coming to Racing. <laughs> Great signing. <laughs> Great signing, yeah. The, the other voices that you can hear are English Dan, who's in the living room we are, we're sitting in. Hello and Merry Christmas to everyone. And English Joel, welcome mm-hmm. back. Thank you very much, D- delighted to first, be back. First appearance of 2013, or is that just how it feels? Uh, just how it feels. First appearance in my living room as well. It is, it, it is, is, it, is, is it is, yeah, no, it's, um, it's wonderful to be back. Uh, Joel's going to be filling us in on, on the political movers and shakers at the new look River Plate a little bit later. Um, also, one very last thing, we're not, it's not showing up in the levels, so hopefully you can't hear it, but if you can hear a very slight humming in the background, dear listeners, we apologise, but there is no way that we're recording this one with the fan switched off, because it's we got Satan's house. We've got real Christmas temperatures here. We have, yes. Um, right, now, where do we start? And it's not Maxi Lopez and Wondonara. Ah, come on. <laughs> Yeah, one we start with the title. The title that no one, absolutely no one wanted to win, but everyone could have, basically. Um, Lanús, of course, being involved in the Copa Sudamericana, meant that the matches were delayed. The Lanús match against Newells was put back by a week so they could concentrate fully on the Sudamericana final. Um, That meant that Vélez versus San Lorenzo had to be put back as well because, I mean, title matches have to be played together. Yeah. Yeah. Not that it really made that much of a difference, as, um, as Luis Bessone pointed out to me on Twitter. 
on the day. If San Lorenzo won, then that was it anyway. So San Lorenzo could quite happily have played against Vélez the same week as everyone else. No, but in the end it made a hell of a lot of difference because I was watching uh, both games at San Lorenzo Vélez. Absolutely nothing happened the entire game. No. And then on the other end you had this end-to-end yeah. second half in, in Rosario. The 1-0 news, 1-0... Like, the main difference know. was that if you were watching the, um, the previous... My mind's gone blank. If you're watching the actual meaningful uh, match, which was better San Lorenzo, of course, those are the only two teams who could win it on that day. Um, either one with a victory, as long as the other team, uh, the other match finished in a draw, uh, and you're getting bored, then you could change over and watch the match in which something was actually happening. Even the yeah. first half of Niels versus Lanus was quite good, even though yeah. it was 0 0. Better San Lorenzo was rubbish. Yeah, I think San Lorenzo knew, you know, they played very similar to how they played all season, I think. They. It's a team with a lot of attacking talent, um, a lot of creative talent, but also a team that's kind of very strong at the back and all through the season they've given away very little. So I think what they went out to do was, with the knowledge that a draw for them would assure that at the very, very least, they had a place in a playoff for the final. Mm. So, you know, they, they hung everyone off the goal line, you know, they, what's this, they parked the bus, let's say, and yeah, just, yeah, played out for a draw and hoped that result in Rosario they go their way it's a valid tactic I guess but it really didn't make for very good watching on Sunday no um, there was not oh, but we've got to say that um, it could have all been very, so very different if not for Sebastián Torrico with two minutes to go yes put up an yeah. incredible save but fantastic Pr- was it Prato? yeah why not <laughs> some, some better strong uh, the, the other result was 2-2 in Rosario between Newell's and Lanús. Um, Lanús, slightly... I mean, OK, they delayed it so they could concentrate on the Sudamericana, but the, the result was that Lanús were playing a team who had had two weeks to prepare for the match, and Lanús had had three days. Um, so it perhaps was a little bit unbalanced all the same, but then... There's not I mean, really much way out of it. If you're playing two tournaments, then you're going to be compromised. Precisely. Well, completely, yeah. 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 I mean, um, there was a big fuss, wasn't there, about whether or not it was going to be moved out, and then the whole, just the whole situation as well was just ridiculous. We didn't know whether the the stadium, whether Vela's stadium, yeah, we didn't was know going to be, we should say, going yeah, to be an hour before the game, we didn't know allowed to be played at all or not. Uh, they had the cops in early that morning. They had a judge on the phone. It's all taking place obviously on Sunday afternoon. You've got judges calling the police, commissioners. I mean, it's complete fast. Plus, yeah. when we know that uh, the, this isn't the, the the fixtures isn't aren't random. In Argentina, they're, they're picked. It's why the Super Clasico is always mid-season, so that yeah. you know, technically speaking, the two clubs that are expected to challenge for the title don't have a have a really important game for, for everything that means. And the same goes. How on earth can they put Vélez, who have obviously one of the strongest teams the last few years, against San Lorenzo, who've got who had a really strong yeah. uh, team this year, and, and, uh, and with all the backstory that was there? Picture. Yeah, I think even before. Um, the banning of away fans they've had away fans banned in the two games for what yeah, exactly. a year well, yeah. and a half the Lorenzo fan killed by the police yeah but even before that there was yeah, I remember in Baja Flores they had a thing where Vela's fans started throwing chairs across the yeah. across the barbed wire and all this kind of thing That's, I think maybe right today it's you know the most dangerous um, most hateful fixture in hmm. in Argentine football yeah yeah, definitely. And yeah, definitely. to put it at the last, the last game of the season, it seems bizarre. Yeah, I guess early on in the season, you kind of thought, well, it's neither here nor there because I mean, Vélez weren't going to. Vélez were dreadful at the beginning and, and really only picked it up later on. But, but still, the fact that they they penciled that that game in 
for the last last match of the season was um, not very thoughtful. Indeed, not at all. Um, we were hoping to insert here a pre-recorded segment with Mariano um, to congratulate him for his San Lorenzo uh, title, of course, and to ask him what he thought about it. Unfortunately, we've not been able to because he forgot. Uh, that it was his daughter's birthday party. <laughs> if, if you are Mariano's daughter and you're listening to this, don't feel too offended. He, He's had a long wait. Like, he didn't really forget. He just uh, forgot that it was started quite as early as it was, and so I've not been able to record that with him. Um, so let's ask you guys: Do San Lorenzo deserve this title? As much any as any of the others have deserved the title. As much as anyone else does, yeah. I mean, you've got to think that this time last year, no, this time the year before, I think. It, no, this time last, last yeah, year. This time last year. Um, they were fighting too for now to avoid relegation. They had to play um, play the playoff, uh, the promotion. And they just about got through that, I think, on, on better goal difference. Yeah. And yeah, um, they started off the 2012 in Seattle, horrible as well with uh, Caruso. Then they made probably the best decision any president's made over the last two years by bringing in um, Juan Antonio Pizzi, who's just transformed the team. We've got to say as well that. He's had a hell of a lot of help. Um, obviously, from the Pope, he's given his divine intervention and this kind of, of thing. But more practically, from um, Marcelo Tinelli, who you know he's always been involved in the club, but uh, this kind of this these last two seasons, he's really got involved. So Lorenzo were the team that, for me, you know, reinforced the best in um, in the winter. They brought in the most quality. They brought in quantity as well to have a big squad, which helps PC as well. You've just reminded me that we're going to have to go back over our pre-season predictions. Which I've got a feeling I, I tip San Lorenzo. So we shall see what we have to say. I know that I certainly yeah. will uh, get that I right. So well, I feel vindicated. Also, I mean, because of that, San Lorenzo... Plus, you've got to say that the whole season without Calderuccio. Well, this, at the beginning yeah. of the season, everyone, people thought that exactly they had really important injuries and despite the fact that they had strength in their squad, the best, the best out of all other teams that they were going to struggle because of the injuries. So on the one hand, it's been an excellent job by Pizzi, but just today he's, he's off to Valencia. So the he's question is, yeah, it seems so. So um, you know, people are sort of saying, well, should he have stayed? Should he have? Because mm-hmm. for San Lorenzo, they're the only good there without a couple of Libertadores. <laughs> so well, would they have the opportunity there to, to, to really challenge for that if he were to stay on? He's, he's done an excellent mm-hmm. job. I think tactically, he's, he's proven himself to be. Very um, savvy, and again with a slightly stronger squad as well. In the Libertadores, there's no reason why they shouldn't put in a, at least a decent, no. a decent challenge. So, um, bit of a shame there, but I guess it's what happens with the players. So, why shouldn't it happen with the coaches, yeah. right? It's it's happening more and more with the managers. We can see, like, it's yeah. now also two in a row uh, title wins in Argentina, where the managers ended up going to a, a big yeah. Spanish club. Yeah, um, almost immediately afterwards. Of course, Martino didn't actually get taken from Newell's. He left Newell's of his own accord and then ended up getting the Barcelona job a few weeks later. Um, no, but it's on the back of, of their job, of their work, so, and, and what they've shown. And, and so really, in both cases. Mocks the quality of Argentine football. <laughs> like to well, no, but, where the but, world comes to but obviously, that's all completely valid. But both are good examples of many who've proved, coaches who've proved they, um, despite the. The general mediocrity of, of, of the league mm. um, that they can slightly buck the trend. Uh, obviously, New, uh, San Lorenzo weren't half as uh, emphatic as, as Newell's and uh, as, as stylish with their play, but lowest points total of any champion in the three point for a win era, which in Argentina began, I think, in 1996, or somewhere around that. 
Well, speaking like speaking of news for a second, now that you mentioned it, I think I know you, no one mentions it now because the whole world, the whole country seems to have a three-second memory when it comes to to football and you know, past results. But this title, Mules lost it, right? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, he threw it away. As, as did arguably everyone else. I've got the now the Mules were. Fuck, like, it was theirs. After yeah. 12 games, it was theirs. Yeah. Which is what we were all saying. I've, I've got the last um, it was five matches for each of the sides here, going from most, giving the most recent result last. San Lorenzo's last five matches were draw, win, draw, draw, draw. Lanus, win, win, draw, draw, draw. Vélez, draw, win, 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 draw. And Newell's, draw, loss, draw, loss, draw. Uh, so in the last five games... And the Newell's... Run comes from further back. Colón lost five eight. in a row. Cumas also got three wins, but they, sorry, three draws, but they got a win. In the last five games, nobody in the league got fewer points in those last five matches than it was off. Was. Um, <laughs> and they were within minutes of going to a title playoff. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Um, does this mean that Argentine footballers, Ilan, who's been on a couple of episodes recently, uh, it, it seems to very uh, passionately believe does this mean Argentine football is going down the pan, or is it? A it didn't, didn't it go down the pan about fourteen years 2004, ago? Two thousand four. Yeah, better ten years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it definitely was better ten years ago, wasn't it? But um, I mean, the last, you know, the, the recent wave of just you know the, the rotating uh, champions, you know, Banfield. I mean, it's not disrespectful, but there aren't there's so few clubs that have put together squads and and, and a series of you know. Strong, yeah. strong performances in the, yeah. in the titles. I mean, Lanús have done it, but but again, you know, Lanús. I mean, historically, they're not a club that's that's had um, no. great success. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, uh, News, if I remember correctly, have challenged basically for um, for the last four yeah. titles. I can't think of any other teams that have done that consistently. No, Vélez. I think overall, if you go, yeah, you, Vélez would be out there. Vélez are up there, but then last season they had a shocker. Yeah, yeah. News, you know, even though they got to the Libertadores, they were out there, you know, in the last few rounds. Well, they won it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, 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 so it's hard to be too hard on News. Like we saw basically what happens um, in the first two seasons of Gerardo Martino. Mm. You know, started really, really strongly and you know, ran out of steam and, and faded. It's kind of, yeah, it's very, very similar. Key players for San Lorenzo in the title race? Nacho Piatti. About Nacho Piatti. About the kids, uh, Anka Correa, who came in and did a fantastic job after both Gonzalo Verón and uh, the other guy who you mentioned. Thank you. Uh, picked up their injuries. Uh, Correa's 19 years old, came in and, yeah. and started scoring goals. Victor Michalba as well. I, th- yeah. I think that. Romagnoli came. Came back as well, really yeah. well from injury. I, I think the two people who, who in the Argentine press, they've, they, they, they've had some coverage, but um, in, in the English-speaking, in, in, in terms of the, the people I've seen, at least writing about it, they, they've perhaps been slightly understated, because it's their second championship with two different clubs, the, the, the same two clubs in both cases, Nestor Ortigosa and Juan Mercia, mm-hmm. who were the, the axis of Argentinos midfield. I was going to say that you can never underestimate or overstate, no. rather, Ortigosa's contribution to any side, no. because he, he's just a, a sensational midfielder, a, a spectacular. But has he played that much this year? 
According to Universal Football, uh, see, I've, I've actually looked this up before bringing up. According to Universal Football, he's got 15 matches during the Don Ewing this Obviously, I'm imagining that some of those are off the bench. Yeah, he yeah. was injured for. Uh, yeah, I didn't think he had been that that um, that ever present. 15 no, matches. For me, he wasn't was out of the key person. No, he was. Bellini as well was like very consistent. Messier in the midfield was certainly. Um, I enjoyed watching. Yes. And Mal Cheto, I think we can't call him Cheto, because it's actually season. Call it Cheto. You can call him whatever you want, sir. Yeah, it's Christmas. Thank you very much. <laughs> San Lorenzo's final record uh, was, let's see, Mignon. nine wins, six draws, and four defeats. Uh, so, well done to them. And now, the rest of the league. The rest of the final round obviously took place the week prior to these, uh, this big super final showdown. Um, significant results, so look, go through all of them really, really quickly. But Brown won all boys nil. Racing two, Godoy Cruz nil. Dan's punching the air as I say that. Argentinos Juniors won Rosario Central two, a uh, result which meant the end for Ricardo Caruso Lombardi. He stood down and has since been insulting as is his one. Pretty much everybody in Argentina. Outrageously as well. He just has he just has a terrible mouth on him. When, when and he's in no, he's in, he's in no position to, to exactly. be saying these things. It's, right. it's outrageous. The, the funniest one was today when he said about, I think it was Matthias Lamets, the son of mm. president. He, he said he, he needs to shut up and think a bit before opening his mouth. Like, <laughs> Sorry, is this... Is, <laughs> no, no, did you look in the mirror this morning? Okay. Um, Atletico Rafael and Arsenal drew 1-1. Estudiantes nil Tigre 2 meaning that Estudiantes lost the last remaining uh, unbeaten home record in the Doneo Inicial on the final day of the season, almost, well, final weekend of the season, sort of. Um, Boca Juniors won, Ignacio La Plata won, Quilmes won, River Plate won, Olimpo won, Conon nil. Olimpo have won four matches in a row to win the Doneo Final. Ah, oh, but it's Trobiani, we... Sorry, it's Perrazzo, isn't it? Yeah, sorry, sorry. So they got Perrazzo. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he ruined the under-20? Oh, no. Actually, he's doing quite a good job. <laughs> it is at the moment. We shall see. In the Promenios, I think they're out of the relegation zone now, aren't they? At the moment. I think, yes, they are. Relegation zone at the moment. It's Donoy Cruz, Argentinos and Colón, who of course have had more points taken off for all of their shenanigans. They, I don't think they're going to be forcibly relegated because they've managed to get together the money, I believe, to pay the, uh, the transfer fee to Atlante. Oh, um, Olympo's 17th in the relegation zone. Have they managed to pay their players? Who knows? Who knows? Speaking of unpaid players, Mauro Matos, the top goalscorer of the Torneo Inicial, I'm struggling to keep a straight face when I say that, could be on his way to Universidad Católica. Really? Sorry, not Universidad I do this every damn time I mention Universidad de Chile. They they want to sign him for the Copa Libertadores. He's the top top striker in Argentina. And they need a number nine of the area, as they call him in Spanish. Which is which is what he is. So he might be on his way there. He's he is speaking of speaking of wanting him as well. He's basically talking to all boys uh, directorship. Now we want Maxi Dobry to rescind the contract um, and to possibly take a small section of his registration um, rights with him because they've not paid him for a while. Gotcha. A couple of other players are all boys doing that as well. Carlos Soto, I think, has left recently. Um, speaking of nine of the area and um, and Argentinos, is is Palermo taking over? Oh no, it's Bichiborgi, isn't it? Right. So we should do a roundup of all of the managers who are out their jobs now, shouldn't we? Martin Palermo managed his final uh, match in the charge Two of the against the glorious Racing who are back in business. Dan's now going to give us a, a detailed tactical breakdown of exactly why Palermo's final match ended in defeat. 
I just I like to say that since Marla took, took over, we showed championship form. It was four wins, two draws, and two defeats. Championship form would be four draws and a defeat, though. Well, <laughs> no, but <laughs> if you take it, eight games. That, that's what the champions yeah. did. But eight games, 14 points. You, do, you times that by two for the 16 games, it's 28 points. Then you just have to pick up six points in the other three games, and you're, yep, you're champions. You have quite a bit of time on your hands, don't you? To do the sums for that. No, I mean, it's fair enough. It's, and it's great to see that, that yeah. Mr. Mustard Merlo is, is doing, doing a good job. He's yeah, like, he's really turning really things around. You yeah. can see everything's different. Like, not so much in how they play, it's just. No, it seems like the players, you know, they're wanting to reach every ball and, you know, they've got someone to play for. Is, what, is, how long is Zuccolini staying around for? Zuccolini's going to be in Racing until June. Okay. So, going for the next season. And then it looks like he's off to Manchester City. Yep. Yeah. He clearly likes Sky Blue. Um, yeah, it seems so. Yeah, but it's an interesting move. He and Zuccolino was the one who scored the first goal on that Friday, about a month back. Of course it was. Yeah. A really good header. Somebody asked me the other day, uh, Man City fan, on Twitter, so what position does he play? Is he any good? What do you think of him? I said he's very, very good. He's... Um, <laughs> He's evolved. We, we thought of him as a defensive midfielder yeah. basically throughout his career. Just in the last throughout his career, six yeah, months, maybe nine months. Veteran. In Argentina, he's already a veteran. In the last maybe his debut six, six to nine months, maybe towards the end of the Torneo Final, is when he started, just developed a habit of popping up in the penalty box. Yeah. Just as the ball's getting there, it's almost like a. It's kind of a legacy of um, so where Leah, who you know, gave him a bit more freedom to do that. Uh, he wasn't quite playing as a uh, number eight, but not quite as a number five kind of. Mm. It's one of the central midfielders that had a bit more freedom to, yeah, to burst in. And I think he was our top scorer in uh, his yeah. with four. No, he had, an, you know, I think out of everyone, he probably, you know, he had an excellent tournament, uh, as well as um, Gomez, the, the young right back. I think the only thing that's saving Racing at the moment, you know, just keep bringing through these youngsters who, who slot right in. It's, it's really good to see. Yes, so Bellini, the top scorer for Racing with four, Luciano Vieto had three, and the others all had just the one. Uh, Gaston Campi. Vichard mm. as well, he scored a lovely goal. Gabriel Alcin, Diego Vichard. Um, just reading that list out, you've got Succolini, Vieto, Campi, De Paul, Di Neno, who were all about 12 years old or 13. Or they all look 12 years old, yeah. Um, They're a bit older. Racing's youth system is clearly still it's lucky because they cannot buy for shit <laughs> just buy crap players and sell for, and sell youngsters for like one million euros no they're disastrous but we've got good youngsters uh, Martin Palermo's got on Cruz what did you think of them Dan did they look demotivated they already knew they the manager was on his way out cruel that, yeah. absolute shambles he did a really good job at Godoy Cruz yeah yeah absolutely um, and goes back to a very rarely point out things that I've said back in the past and they usually all, all prove to be wrong but, but uh, yeah but I do remember saying when, when Palermo went to Mendoza how it was a good career move to get out of Buenos Aires because otherwise he'd be doing interviews every oh, every right. day with you know but because he's over in Mendoza out of the limelight and I think he did a really good job he's got years coaching under his under his belt happy days it's only a year is it just a year was it just six months no it must be yeah, yeah but anyway he was touted then to, to to take over the Argentinos job, but obviously that is the it's the glorious return of Bichiboli. Mm. Mm. 
was going to come to Racing in one at one time, but he thought, no, nah, it's a bit, you know, that's right, a bit yeah. of a shambles. The club will go to Argentina instead, you know. Yeah. The, Pick up the pieces after Carlos. So sorry, I've barely been online today. Borgi has been confirmed. I, I, I think so. I, I think so. It's been a bit of a saga. He was, he was in negotiations, and then he wasn't picking up the phone to the president, and then the president said, "I've got to call him today and sort it." That was the last thing I'd, I'd heard. So if, um, if he has been confirmed, that, that's potentially a good move for Argentina. He's the manager who won the club saw in 2010 with them. He's um, a good manager. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Too much of a nice guy to manage Boca, as we all said when he when he took over at Boca. Um, I can't remember whether we said that on the podcast because I can't remember whether he took over just after or just before we started doing the podcast. But we definitely all said it amongst ourselves. Mm. Um, and so it proved. But apart from that, he's, he's clearly a very talented chap. Um, we should probably talk about the, and we've already mentioned Racing, of course, but about the, the other uh, big sides. We've mentioned Racing, we've mentioned San Lorenzo. How have the other three, the big five, got on in the end of this last. Oh God. Completely forgotten how to string a sentence together then. Uh, how have the other three of the big five got on as as we reach the end of the first How half did they finish the season? year? How did they finish 2013? Right. Thank you. Uh, Independiente started pretty damn well. Independiente. As they yeah. had been doing very well, I must admit, ever since Momar um, de Felipe took over. Yes. He's kind of the, I think he's the opposite of Borri. He's not, you know, he's not one of these. Like, Unpleasant people, but you can see he's a, he's a hard ass, right? You reckon? Yeah, he gives me that impression. He's like he's not someone who takes any shit. No, no, he doesn't. But I think he's he's extremely fair. I think he's yeah, I mean, much, yeah, far too much, of a, nice, far too much of a nice guy. That's what I'm saying. He's not a, oh, I a fucker. But, yeah, okay. I thought he's just yeah, sounds like more like sort of sergeant, and he's 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 not. Well, he was a that. sergeant, right? Well, I don't know if he was. I don't know what his rank was, but yeah. he was in the army. Yes. Yeah. Well, he was a, he was in fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he's done very well uh, in the Vendiente. Bit of a slow start, but obviously we're taking over a pretty, pretty complicated situation. As 2013 comes to an end, Independiente find themselves for the first time um, after the 21st round in the promotion spots. Uh, for a little bit of comparison to explain why everybody was going on about how dreadfully they were doing towards the beginning of the season when River were in the B uh, two seasons two years ago um, they at no point in the season were they outside the promotion spots oh, really? um, yeah. so yeah Independiente's start was, was not great of course they were the first of the big five That's to have played in the point. B and to have lost their first match in the, or to have not failed to win their first match in the B in fact um, but they have really picked it up since they're doing very very well their record in the last few matches runs as three wins and two draws and all that yeah. no they've, they've put it together as they should but they've got a very good squad still no. they held on to um, some grizzled grizzled veterans like um, Christian Tula yeah mm. like Rolfi of course ten without defeat eight without conceding a goal well, um, and the, the most recent match of course was a 1-0 win against Patronato de Paraná uh, two weeks ago almost with a the, the winning goal coming in the 89th minute from a uh, free kick from the halfway line I think that's another difference with Libra as well they haven't been turning over t- they haven't been turning over teams no there's been no 4-0s 5-0s was it 8-0 against Atlanta when River went it's all been kind of one nil, you know, grinding, grinding, yeah, grinding yeah. out there. River, River came quite a few teams. Yeah. Like, they had several like four nils, they three nils. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, so yeah, very different situation for Independiente for sure. But it seems like they're out of the woods. Mm. 
politically, of course, is another matter. Uh, Ooh, Javier, um, kicked off the other then. Javier Cantero, that is his name, isn't yes. it? Yes. For some reason, I've started having doubts about that. Um, Maybe even him, he himself has had doubts about who he is. At, at the clubs, would it, how would you translate it? AGM, more yeah, or less, probably. AGM, yeah. to, to present the books for the 2012 uh, 13 period. Um, and it was all over the, the live sports news channels. Uh, Barra Bravas once again. Uh, invading the, the club headquarters. It wasn't quite as chaotic as the other one. No, it, it wasn't quite as chaotic. There was a, one of the cameras managed to, to catch footage of one guy being helped out by police who seems to be trying to get down the stairs to, to get towards Cantero. Um, but yeah, chanting over so that when you're watching on TV you can actually hear what any of the, the guys at the podium were saying. It's fine, it's all pretty it's boring stuff. financial stuff. Like, yeah. Better to hear you know, Que se vaya, <laughs> <laughs> Um, River and speaking well, of Casey Vashantoy <laughs> precisely so let, let's talk about Boca first because the River discussion is going to, uh, to segue nicely into the political stuff that we've mentioned Boca Juniors ended the torneo inicial um, with 29 points they didn't win any of their last four games but they picked up a little bit from those two losses they, they managed to draw the final two um Thoughts. Big question there is on the backroom staff and in particular the physios and the medical people because they've had over 40 injuries this year. All 60. of them. Oh, is it 60? So it hit 60 yeah. and wow. the final week of the season. Yeah, you've got to look at that. Really, you know, because they had the team that missed. Well, all, mus- all, mus- all muscular injuries. So that, those, that is something that you can point to. I mean, obviously. Um, no one wants to point fingers, but, no, but, six, but too six, many six to injuries is outrageous. Granted that twenty of them were Raquelmi, but <laughs> <laughs> no, still forty. Yeah, and that really, you know, that helped them more than anything because yeah, you, you, can't, you, can't, team, you, can't you put that, together yeah. Gabo, Raquelmi, uh, Martinez, and Shilotti, and they should cane every team in the league. Yes, and yeah. well, that, that is as a, well. That is a yeah. really good, really good. Exactly, Boca's first team is. Way far yeah. the better, they best got side in, in arguably the, the best keeper in the league as well. Yeah, for sure. Mm, Saka, Orion, um, I don't know. No, I think, I think Orion's been has overtaken mm. Saka recently. But Saka has a lot more to, more to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for Saka, we'd end the season with zero points. Is that the Baron Baron? Another one who's been who was the, the least allowed to dry quite a lot in the season. The least beaten goalkeeper in the Torneo Inicial, Marcelo Barrero. Nobody can see the fewer goals than him. Then he played less games. I mean, if you don't count the, the guys who've only played like one or two games, Barrero played all but two matches. Um, and in the one of the two that uh, he didn't play, of course, uh, Chichi Solo conceded three against Olimpo. Um, so Barrero was only conceded 18, uh, sorry, 11 goals in 17 matches. Um, which just beat Sironimo Rulli's record uh, for SDM. Oh, yeah. um, just. There we go. Boca yeah, uh, improvements over the summer. The, all of the clubs now, of course, apart from the ones involved in the Libertadores, are only allowed to make two signings over the, the summer break. Um, Boca wants to go after Paolo Goltz of Lanús. Lanús well, I think that's, that's not happening. Alejandro Marron has said he's not going for less than $3 million. Yeah, so it's not happening. Um, Forlin is coming back. Uh-huh. Yes. Juan Forlin, oh, centre back. Uh, he's in the. Sound, no, United Arab Emirates. Yes, he's in the UAE at the moment. Um, again, a funny career because he started up really well. Um, he, went, he was he was one of the players that was signed by Real Madrid B um, when he was 18, 19. He did play the season there. A la cambiazo. Yeah, exactly. Um, and everyone was really really excited about his 
prospects, but um, just fizzled out really. I think yeah. he, where was he? Es- Espanol. He was for a while. Or Sevilla was it? I think that's Fasio. I think it was Espanol. Yeah, but but again, good player. He uh, he won the title uh, here after it was the, the the triangle with Tigre and San Lorenzo, and he was knocked out in one of the games. I remember very clearly. Everyone thought he died, which obviously fortunately he hadn't. And um, <laughs> well, yeah. and he, he moves after that. But again, so you, know, you don't expect then UAE and then back to Boca. It's just a bit of a yeah. You wonder where his where his yeah, career's going. A bit of a plateau. But nonetheless, good centre back. So how old is he? He's only 25. Must be, yeah, yeah 25, 24. 25, yeah. 20, 26 in January, I reckon. Well, past it. Indeed. Um, and now we move on to River Plate, who, aside from finishing a very underwhelming Torneo Inicial, where they draw away to Quilmes, um, to leave them 17th in the Inicial table with 21 points um, from their 19 matches. I think there you can see how close to the table was. From 17th to 1st, uh, it was 12 points. Yeah. It's about amazing, because Kilmer's actually finished uh, only behind River on goal difference. Uh, um, so they also had 21. So, yeah, that's all but two of the sides within 12 points of the, of the eventual winners. Um, I shan't mention it, the other two teams. Yeah, Colón, a little, so little back. Um, But River have not only finished the, the season in very underwhelming fashion, but there's now some, some hope, some talk there. New Dawn, this football club that can be reborn, and I'm going to hand over largely. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to know a little bit more about Donofrio. Because we. The uh, Rodolfo Donofrio on Sunday was voted in as River Plate president. Daniel Passarella um, didn't even stand in the election. Uh, Donofrio had said prior to that that he was almost a bit disappointed because he wanted some revenge. Um, yeah, well, Passarella said though he, he decided not to run, but if he did, if he did run for presidency, he, he would have won. won. Yeah. Which is I just, can't say it, no. <laughs> One of the many outrageous things you said. Outrageous. Outrageous. So, oh, shall we talk about the, the press conference before we talk about the election? Yeah. So the press conference was Let's have some highlights. No, so, no, no, sorry, sorry. I need to stop you right there. Because, because a press conference is an event where media are able to request accreditation and go and ask questions mm-hmm. and what have you. Mm-hmm. This was a very different event. This was where uh, there were TV channels and everyone there, but they were all handpicked by Passarella. Um, and people who did want to go to um, to that press conference were not allowed. This is coming from the most democratic president in river history, as he would say. As he said in this press conference, yeah. or press presentation. Uh, you got to love irony. Um, so basically, the t- I, I didn't have any idea what was happening. I was just watching the, the yeah. ESPN Sports Centre, the, the news, uh, sports news show middle of the afternoon and suddenly they, they cut to Passarella sitting by the table in a, what seemed like quite a darkened room saying so ladies and gentlemen I, I just want to uh, as you know I'm not standing for re-election uh, I'd, I'd definitely win if I did as, as we've already mentioned these are, um, <coughs> but I just wanted to make you all aware of some of the things that I've done for River Plate and then sort of Soft focus came in, and we saw Daniel Passarella skipping through this fantasy, hand this fantasy the, uh, river world. It was well, well, no, it, it, it wasn't. But it, no, but it wasn't a fantasy world as, as such. But it was just um, a, a parallel world because River Plate is is many things, but ultimately it's to do with the football. And Passarella is the, is the president River Plate went down with, and his presentation about he said, um, "You all know the bad things, so I'm going to tell you some of the good things." Uh, and the good things were. 
basic, I mean, just very basic infrastructure infrastructure improvements. So they've, they've built a new hockey pitch. It's a great pitch, but it's, it's hockey, so it's not as important. For the club and for the socios, it is important. And for the hockey section, it is important, but it's a minority of a club that has 15 million supporters. Um, he talks about they've, they've made improvements for the school, they've, done, they've built bits and bobs, they've improved the, the swimming pool and everything, but ultimately all he talked about was uh, sort of what's going on very much behind the scenes and that really only socios, the members, um, see the benefit of. And again, 15 million supporters want River Plate to have a better team, to not have gone down to the to second division, to have been challenging for Libertadores and everything. And he just completely skip those those issues. He, he had somebody giving this presentation for him on like a PowerPoint style projector thing. And the thing that made me giggle a bit, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I, I watched maybe the first 20-25 minutes of it. It did um, last a long time. It went on a bit. Um, but the thing that made me giggle w- w- was that he, this guy starts off giving the presentation, he's talking for a couple of minutes and then suddenly Passarelli goes, hey, wait, just go back and tell them about about this thing and, and is jogging his memory constantly and saying, oh, no, don't tell them about that. What are you doing? You're not telling them about Great Isle. It was just deeply, deeply bizarre. Then I think, I think. especially came he's in. not even standing for re-election. No. If he'd been standing, then you'd have maybe sort of thought, well, at least you can see why he's doing it. This just seems like a desperate attempt to... It was, it was very strange. And then, it, then he did go on then for... The presentation was over, and he did speak to the media about sort of the football issues. And he said that he blames Grondona. He said that River Plate was sent down. He said that not even Guardiola or Mourinho could have saved River Plate because we were basically sent down. Um, and then he said an astonishing though thing, which is that because he said this, and then he said he talks about this a very famous or not so famous but fairly well known meeting where at AFA where he went and stood up to Grondona and said you've got to step down and what have you. After River, after after the after Super Classico with Boca, when they hadn't had basically eight penalties given, um, these penalties that the, the, the Boca players themselves admitted were, were penalties were definite fouls. So Pasarella went to Barcelona, said, "You've got to stand down. You know, you can't be here anymore. You're, you're over the hill and everything." Which turns then Affa and the rest of Argentine football against him because it was just Pasarella versus everyone. So he said, "Though I would have done that again, though, because it was for the good of Argentine football. It needed to be said." But then at the same time he was saying that they sent us down. So Grondon is still there and yeah. Passarella isn't. So who won? Yeah. Happier days are ahead because on Sunday, as I've mentioned already, seventeen thousand, one seven thousand, eighteen thousand, eighteen thousand, yep. sorry, one eight thousand um, River Plate fans turned up to vote. This is a record apparently in the history of, of River elections. And that just as a very quick aside, perhaps gives you some um, I, I get asked occasionally by, by people wondering how the Badaras, who are relatively small groups, manage to have such a huge influence on club elections when the clubs will have 20, 30, 40, or in you know, River or Bocca's case, like 70 or 80,000 members. Um, that's, that's the reason, because the majority of the members don't go to, to vote. Mm-hmm. That does give the Badaras, if, if River's Badaras, 1,000 people, and that's one eighteenth of the people who are voting in total. But anyway, um, that's, that's an example rather than an illustration of anything that actually happened on Sunday. Um, went out to vote, and Rodolfo Donofrio, who lost the last election to Daniel Passarella by six votes, after a recount, having initially won the first count by four, or something two, like that, two. or two. Yeah. Um, so very, very controversial circumstances, which is why he wanted revenge on Passarella, and was disappointed that Passarella didn't stand. He won this one by about four and a half thousand or something, didn't he? Yeah. Ahead of... Antonio Caselli. 
Excellent. Joel is going to give us detailed profiles of uh, Rodolfo D'Onofrio and all of his backroom staff now because he's spoken to them. Well, D'Onofrio is, um, is a businessman, uh, as, mo- as a couple of the other candidates were, and as you said, he already had a very strong support in, in River anyway, so he was, he was always the front runner, really, um, along with Caselli, but Caselli ended up faring a lot worse than many people expected. I think he had really strong presence like on Twitter and everything, but really uh, with the socios um, and, uh, you know, the whole internal wrangling and river politics is a much older generation than than the, the Twitter generation. So, so D'Onofrio was expected really to win. It, it did seem like it was going to be a bit tighter. I think they themselves were surprised that it won so so heavily. But he surrounded himself with uh, his vice presidents are uh, Jorge Brito, Jorge Brito Hijo, the son of the president of the Banco Macro, one of the, the biggest banks in Argentina. And his other vice president is Matias Patanian, who's the head of uh, the airports, Ezeiza and, and um, Eroparque. So people with um, experience of dealing... Donofrio has been in charge of you know, I don't know, the, the four or five biggest companies in, in the country at various stages. Um, so good experience, and, and this is what they're, they're really driving at, is that they, they know what needs the river needs to be organised and administered a lot better. What they also managed to do was they've got all the old players on board, so Enzo Francescoli is going to be the football director, um, Beto Alonso is going to be there or thereabouts doing something or other. Technical assessment or something. Yeah. Basically, they're going to say, Beto, should we do this? Yes or no. Um, Amadeo, Car- Amadeo Carrizo is going to be the honorary president um, Ortega is going to be joining in as the youth team uh, coach, reserve team assistant coach. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be—I mean, he's going to have an important role, but he's not being sort of thrust into the limelight. I don't think he's quite um, up for it. Um, Cavanaghi's coming back, right? Cavanaghi's probably going to be signed. So all of this, and the important thing about this is that this is all stuff that was under Passarella completely impossible. Passarella vetoed Beto Alonso from the club. Um, you know, he wouldn't allow anyone to be honorary president of the club. And, and you look at other institutions like Real Madrid, and Florentino Perez was a great move, making Alfredo Stefano the honorary club president, giving him that role, getting him out for all the big occasions, because yeah. he's a club legend. So this is what Donofrio is going to do with, as I said, Amadeo Carrizo, the, the former goalkeeper. So when you combine the two things, because on the one hand it's sort of very technical, and it's all like they're all you know, economists and they're all technocrats, and they all know, you know what we're going to need to but do for business... But like, you know, exactly. these old people on the exactly. board. So it's a really, I think they did a really clever campaign. There was a lot of, there was a lot of mud, mud raking, if you like, between the two, which was pretty unsavoury. But Donofrio accused Caselli of being Passarella's man. Well, Passarella won because in the 2009 elections, Caselli gave, Caselli who got 4,000 votes, uh, no, way less, sorry. Um, but anyway, he gave his votes um, to Passarella. So basically, in, in, in Rivers' uh, setup, it's um, if you win by one vote, you take over. Um, I think the board's 23, so you get like 18 on the board, and then five are for the second minority. So the third is out, is blown out of the water. So you give those votes to someone else. So, so in 2009, Caselli helped Passarella. So with Passarella not running for election, he gave his votes to, to Caselli, and that's what Donofrio was saying: is that the people who've been in charge the last four years, they've all gone with with Caselli. It's not quite true, it's not quite clear-cut, but that was the uh, the idea. So, today, there were, this morning there was a press conference when they talked about the state of River Plate, and it's outrageous. 
what they said today is, is outrageous about what has happened. So the debt is... Are you saying what they've said is outrageous? No, 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 the, no the, facts, the facts they presented are Three, absolutely outrageous. 383 million pesos of debt. Well, that's what was in August, and that's what the board approved. Yeah. Now, this is the problem. The debt is 425 million. Um, in the last, since that budget was approved, so in the last four months, 180 million pesos worth of checks have been signed and and are out there waiting to be cashed in in four months. It's an eighty percent increase of what it was in in August. So, so basically, so they, the held the, is, they held the funds until after the budget was approved. Well, and, just, uh, they just they just knowing they're going out. out the they, they, yeah, exactly. The, the debt is rocketed. For listeners who don't know what the Argentine peso means, and uh, we assure you that half of the time we don't ourselves, quite frankly. Um, 425 million pesos at the official exchange rate is roughly 73.25 million uh, US dollars. It's about 42 million pounds. Yeah. yeah. So, in itself, you kind of think, well, it's not, if you're from, it's not if actually you're from England or the States or Western Europe, you're yeah. realistic that understanding that, that's bugger all. But, but they have no income. No. They have no income. And then, the and today, and exactly, and what they said today that was very, to, to make you sort of realise what's going on here is for the TV rights money, the amount of checks that River have to honour that have been signed and, and the, the amount of checks are the equivalent of three years of television money. So that gives you an idea of, of the proportion, because it is, proportion is low, but they've got no, there, there is no income here. So, um, Having so the, the, the panorama is pretty uh, difficult. Having spoken to Joel, yes. uh, I don't know how many times. Uh, two or three, yeah. Okay. Do, do, you, do, you, do you see him as someone who, who's going to be able to get this, this massive turnaround at River that they, they clearly need at an institutional level? Uh, the only thing really you can say is that you hope so, because there's, there's, there's no... There's, there's, you don't really know what... He's quite... Um, he's, River Plate presidents generally are very charismatic. And he's quite underwhelming in that sense. Mm. Uh, he's, he's not... Uh, I mean, Passarella will tell his stories about as a, as a World Cup winning player yeah. and everything, and that's fine. Uh, Aguilar is an astonishingly charismatic man. Um, Davice, who was previous president, the same. Santilli, who River won the, the World Club Championships with. Um, also, you know, I mean, a, a, a political animal. Is that and and Donofrio isn't really that. Yeah. But on the same hand, you kind of think, actually, they're just a bit, bit more serious, a bit more low-key. Um, and... They're making all the right signs. They have said that the club is going to go into an era period of austerity. So yeah. uh, we, this is what they haven't said that it means. So does it mean that River's going to cut down its social, you know, all the sports that it has? Does it mean that the the socio are going to have to pay three times more to re- to recover a bit of money? This is what they haven't said yet, and that's what that's what the question is. Um, you know, River plays socios goes to games for free. Are they going to start charging socios for tickets? It's that kind of thing, which would be incredibly unpopular. But it's probably what needs doing because it's the model isn't sustainable. They're losing at the moment. They're losing twelve million pesos a month. Is it not against the charters as well of every club? Yeah. Well, that's the yeah. thing. But they're so going to find a way to exactly. Well, that they have to do it. Yeah. yeah. It'll be like a bono and a collaboration. You know. Yeah. They exactly. That yeah. And they add, and they do for the fans' day and things like that. Yeah. But yeah. That's exactly. not going to go down well. One thing that um, that that is likely to happen. Well. If they can, they can make it up, and that Donofrio has mentioned, um, is that River are going to be trying to hang on to their young players for a little, 
Longer, he's already declared Eder Alvarez Balanta untransferable this summer. So then he's saying this at the same time that six he says the club has to go into austerity and save money because, uh, as, he, because as, he, as he puts it, Balanta can go now for two or three million euros, maybe, or he can if they hang on to him for another couple of years, they know he's going to be worth a considerable amount more. They don't know because he can and, um, break his, you know, he can rupture his cruciate ligaments well, in the first game. Well, that's the season. risk. But ultimately, really, for a player like that. Two or three million euros is nothing, and so it's not that much of a, it's a risk. Everything's a risk, though, because I mean, you know, then because with Falcao they've sold him, River sold him for like five million dollars, and <laughs> how much he's gone for since then. So that's that's a risk as well. So um, it, it's a very tricky situation at the moment at River, but the, the main thing is that the other sectors uh, that lost the elections have all, you know, basically thrown their hat in and said. But throwing their hands in the ring and said, "Whatever you need, we're on board because we'll." Everyone knows that River. This is like the lowest level, the lowest point that River's ever been at mm-hmm. in its uh, in its history. So both on a financial level and sporting level. So um, that is one of the positives. And yeah, you, I would expect things to improve vastly. He's also talking about uh, getting sponsors in to help to pay the the wages of some. Of the oh, that that's one that up, always, almost, the almost guaranteed they're going to rename the stadium. Oh yeah, I I think so from, from what I understand. But interesting. Yeah, I spoke to somebody. They go to the, the not 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 not, not um, <laughs> right not not Donofrio, but I spoke to one of the people in this team, and he was basically saying he was asking Socios, look, what's the name of the replaced stadium? It's true. Yeah. But what is the name of it? Yeah. The Antonio Pucci yeah, Liberty, yeah, exactly. And, and what who calls it that? No one, right? Yeah. So everyone calls it the Monumental. If, it, if it becomes the, the the tower in the middle of what's the Sabada Square in Retiro? Ah, uh, the Los Ingleses. The Torre Monumental. Everybody calls it. Torre the Torre Torre Torre. Torre. Right, exactly. So, so, so that's, their, that's their argument. But it will, if they do it, yeah. of course people are going to be against it. Of yeah. course they are. And sponsors aren't going to be just happy with the official name being changed. That isn't how it works. Well, that, that's one, one gonna, deal. That's one deal. Yeah. No, but the sponsors are going to say, you know, I'll find the official name, but we want this on, we want this on the official pla- pamphlets, we want this on the advertising, we want our name oh, yeah, of plastered everywhere. Yeah, of course. And if you change the official name, that's fine. And BBVA is another one. Yeah. The shirt sponsor. And the BBVA deal was literally... They take in, I mean, I don't know, 200 tickets per game. BBV absolutely everywhere. So you're right. I mean, yeah. it, it's it, it's there's not much space physically to rename uh, the the stadium. But it's that kind of thing they're going to have to do. But it's no surprise. I mean, the, the shock is that they haven't done it already. I mean, you know, in That'd England, be all the clubs do it. Yeah. That would be unprecedented. So, yeah, in Arsenal it, football, right? right, exactly. But Arsenal football's in the 80s. Well, I guess so, uh, Racing they named it after a person. <laughs> Sit in prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How much did he pay? He we built a stadium. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a fair trade, like, and we call it the cylinder. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there was a point that I was going to make, and I've forgotten it. I doubt. It. There we go. When uh, it comes, uh, this is all probably very sort of behind the scenes for everyone. Uh, when it comes to the football, uh, it does look like Cavanaghi's coming back. We're going to find out a lot just in terms of how the club operates in, in the January transfer window, I think, aren't we? That's going to give us some indication. Yeah, I mean, again, they, they tried to, to sort out another, another um, place because they've, they've got an injury for one of the youth team players. They haven't got it, so they've got two signings to make. 
Okay. Today they were saying yeah. Lugano. No. And, and he's just, well, they can't afford him. It's incredibly high wage. Defence isn't really the Defence isn't really the problem. No. Um, one of the guys, again, in, in the team sort of was saying, look, we've got Balanza, we've got Pesella, these are two top, yeah. top young yeah. talent. Well, yeah, he's, yeah. he's on his way out. But, um, no, but so Cavanaghi's a good chance. They asked after Trezeguet, but I don't think that's possible. No. After yeah, how they treated him, they still on him. Well, exactly, yeah. But, um, yes. but it'll be interesting to see what... I think Maidana's on his way. Jonathan Maidana's leaving to go to Pueblo in Mexico, and I think Lancini will be sold. Um, so maybe they'll bring in a... look to bring in a playmaker. Um, but they're, they're very much... They're, their philosophy, certainly from what they've said so far, is that few signings and promote lots of youth team players. And then, fitting in with this austerity programme, Diaz, father and son, are going to be staying, but... With reduced wages. Yes. yes. Then they're going back to the, the wages of the contracts that they had a few months ago. Right. Before Daniel it says about thir- <laughs> it's about 30% cut. It's pretty big. It's pretty, hard, pretty big. Yeah. Would you would you take a 30% cut from the Herald? No, because right. inflation's Exactly. It's slightly easier for the Ramon Diaz yeah. to survive on a 70 Yeah, but it's still. It's, yeah, but if you sign a contract, you're like, look. Yeah. You know? And the amount of stick he gets, I mean, it's high pressure, you know. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Ramon Diaz at all. I think he's a whiner, he shifts blame, he's living off past glories, but it was big of him to take a pay cut. It would have been very easy for no, him no, to say, oh, right, no, they've yeah. betrayed me, they've done all this, and, you know, made a big scene and flounced out like he's done many times in many clubs. But credit to him, he's, he's decided to fight him. For sure. For how long? We'll see. Right. I'm going to play some music now, and then we will come back. And we will first of all um, look back over, I don't think either of you to see this little file I've got here, the summary of everyone's predictions um, prior to the initial starting. And then we will answer a, I think we've only had a couple of um, of questions from our listeners, but we shall answer those. So don't go away. Predictions. I've not, I've not given names, but I sent around a, a quick questionnaire to all Panda Pod panelists, as they were at the beginning of the season. We picked up a couple along the way, of course, um, asking for who they thought was going to be a breakthrough star, who they thought the Torneo Inicial winners um, would be, who the best signing of the season was, who the worst signing of the season was, and the teams who are going to be relegated at the end of the Torneo Final. I'll leave that last category to the end of the Donnell final because we still don't know at the moment um, we've done alright in, in a couple of them breakthrough kit the, the general consensus was for either uh, I, I really think we should be naming names yeah come on name names come on it's not I've, I've, I've not know. noted them I can't remember it was, it was five months ago I've <sighs> noted them on this one um, was between uh, Giovanni Simeone who's not been two, two goals he, he needed to be I think and, I said yeah. and Angel Correa who I think you said Dan ah. and I think Mar- Mariano definitely said um, we should point out, by the way, that Joel declined to reply to this. Um, <laughs> this uh, <laughs> I was extremely busy at the, the moment at the time. The Torneo Inicial winners, their general consensus was that they were, it was going to be one of three teams. One of those three teams was River Plate. 
Whoops. But the other two... That wasn't it. The other two were San Lorenzo and Lanús. The ones I've noted here are all ones that were suggested by more than one person, basically, in the replies. Uh, So San Lorenzo and Lanús. Two out of three. Happy days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Best time you've done it with about three of the five votes was Teo Gutierrez. Yeah. In my opinion, in Seba's opinion, and I think possibly in in yours. I think we all accepted that it was a bit of a gamble because he's a complete nutter. We expected. But that's the thing, he hasn't done either or. He hasn't been a complete nutter. He's been no. very, very quiet, very yeah. subdued. He's been very, you know, oh, uh, you know, we're just all going to, all the lads need to work, and I'm sure next week we'll get a good result. Uh, but but the, then he hasn't played well either. There was a bit of a fuss when he said it was much better when I was playing at Racing because they got me the ball better. Well, it's true. But apart it's from really that, true. And it's yeah. exactly, it's very hard. But that's we finished up scoring. Like. Yeah. And even that didn't exactly come I mean, the thing is, when you see, but if you see that, that quote on the front page, plastered in big letters, you know, you kind of, you kind of, yeah, you kind of, oh, bomba. But actually, if, when you hear him saying yeah. it, when you heard him saying it, it's kind of a, very thoughtful analysis, like, ah, exactly. oh, we're just why he's not scoring as many goals. The ball got more in the area. Yeah, it's quite straight. I thought it was very honest. It's true. Worst signing? Anybody want to take a guess? Um, I can't remember what I said. I said... Oh, Fowler. Yes. I have to admit, to, I have to, admit to, to calling myself that Fowler might have been one of the best signings. <laughs> I think I might have said Fowler as well. Someone in Pretty Britain. much everybody said that Jonathan, apart from me, said that Jonathan Fabro was going to be um, one of the worst signings for River. Um, for indeed for anybody, but he signed for River, of course. Um, and really the, the, the other... The other with two votes was Jose Sand. Oof. Which I think is a very good call because I'm struggling now to remember yeah, who he's playing. I think like he's a Tigre. It's called One Goal is Darker Memorian Thrasen. Which was a tap in with no keeper from two metres up. And I can't remember who's scoring another one. He finished the team, he finished the year out of the team. Like yeah. that. Absolutely. that was obvious though. That was a real cop out there, Mr. Bat. Um, who do we think? What do we think actually did happen? I mean, Correa was the breakthrough kid at the NCL, right? Yeah. One of them, certainly. Yeah. In his being to play. Yeah, definitely. Key players we've already mentioned for San Lorenzo, but any, for many other teams. I think Balanta, actually, the, partly because of what a mess Ripper of it has, has stepped up. In this yeah, he's been a The form of those first eight matches at the end of the Toneo NCL yeah. was a fluke. I think um, a few of the kids from Vélez came through and did, like, Cáceres up front. It's Sábado in midfield. Leandro yeah. Sabato, named after his cousin Leandro Sabato, who plays with Estudiantes, got very confusing when they played each other. You should probably say Rulli in golf for Estudiantes, he was yeah. the keeper who let in the fewest goals, that's for something. Who has been named in the I, uh, the, the Invert with Maradona 100 for the next year. At the, at the behest of me, he's one of the 100 players to watch. Uh, in a year's time, we'll be going back and seeing him. He's Geronimo Rulli. Yes. And also Valanda. Poor, poor yeah, Rulli. He's going to end up in prison. Poor Rulli. Uh, some of them turn out alright. Biggest disappointment of the season at club level? As in just as a like team in terms of the league. Can I say the league? <laughs> it's, it's, been, it's been poor. Yeah, that's his point. No one's really. All, all the, the, the title challenges, if that's what they can be called, you know, they've all stumbled. Vela started dreadfully, Newell's ended dreadfully, you know, San Lorenzo sort of struggled really to. Yeah. While they've been well organised, they didn't really play. Yeah. Yeah, really expansive kind of football. A couple of matches. Where they yeah, yeah, a couple of games, sure. But fits and starts. I've got to say, for me, the biggest disappointment has got to be Racing. 
See, no, I mean, I'm going to explain this stuff. Can I just point out the word? No, I'm not just saying from you know, a completely biased perspective. But you are. Talk about a team that took, what, 33 points or 34 points from the um, championship before. Brought in all new players and it was kind of like yeah. movement. And they started, what, it took 14 games of the season before we won one. Yeah, man. Or 15. Dreadful. You know, absolutely diabolical. However... Let's just set a moment aside here, because it's very easy for us, based in Buenos Aires, to say Racing were crap, or Red were crap, <laughs> or Olimpo only picked up towards the end, and all this stuff. But Colón, surely good call. Good call. No, no, you're tr- you chunky. You can't. You can't come back to that because they're not six points taken off thanks to FIFA. They almost got forcibly relegated because of not paying transfer fees they total chaos leaving left right and centre that's more of a disaster than this it's kind of a different concept I think no one expected Cologne to do anything All right, then. well listen we should basically have who was the racing of the, of the season who was the racing of the season which, which would be which, which is, no, no, no 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 which is racing every time but yeah. who's, the, who's the other <laughs> who's one who's the other racing yeah. that was Cologne obviously that's, that's what the character should be who's the other who's the other racing, uh, the racing? question sure. now we're straight into these because I've already played some music. We have had one from email. It is from uh, Liam Kelly, who always sends his questions to me by email. Any relation? There's no relation, no. You sure? Um, I, I say that every time I read Liam, Sam, they're similar. Yes. What do you think is the... <laughs> no, wrap, your, wrap your brains, gentlemen. Um, yeah, they're both in an AM. Um, what, 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 would, what would your be your goal of the Torneo in ECL 2013? Oh, Christ. God. It's not a question that lends itself particularly to an exclusively audio medium, admittedly. Um, and I have only just said it to these people when he actually emailed it to me yesterday, so I perhaps didn't give you the best of it. Oh, uh, of time yeah, I'm going to have to tweet an answer to that, because I, off the top of my head, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll get our heads together at some point in the next couple of days and try and set on yeah. the kind of problem. And I was a cracking one from De Paul against Steele. <laughs> We were already losing three nil at the time. Aren't there? Wasn't there? Isn't there? Didn't San Lorenzo? Well, Piatti against um, Rafaela. Uh, Which of the two? Well, uh, the yeah, yeah, the second. Yeah, the, the first one was one of those where he just struck it far harder than you'd ever need to kick a football. Sure, sure. No, the other one was the second ridiculous. one was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, I'll go with that one. Actually. I'm going to go with that. Sorry, one, Liam. I, I didn't mean to. You know, but I'm going to go with the boy because I want Real Racing to win something this year. Um, other questions via Twitter are Kieran Crowley asks what are your thoughts on the reports linking Mauricio Pellegrino to the West Bromwich Albion job Pellegrino local journalists reporting it over here well it's a report based on a Birmingham Mail um, article yeah uh, I used to read Birmingham Mail does it, does it seem likely is he capable in terms of whether it's likely or not you're going to have to talk to somebody a bit closer to West Bromwich Albion I think because they're the ones who supposedly put him on the short list yeah, he's done pretty well with the studio. Yeah, considering the, 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 the squad that he took over. Um, well, Sergeant Tom is in fashion. Now. Well, that's yeah. why I was, yeah, with obviously with Pochettino, yeah. with um, and also I mean obviously we're gonna have three at the World Cup. We, Pokemon, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We're, we're all citizens of the world. And, and although, although he's not, and yeah. Although he's not Argentine, obviously, um, Poyet or Pochet. Yeah, close enough. You know. um, but, because before, you know, they wouldn't. Um, there were very few South American coaches around. But you know, with Pochettino, with Pochette, yeah. with um, yeah, Mr. Simeone, Mr. Simeone, yeah, they're coming in fashion. 
Could happen. I don't think he's big, big change. I mean, obviously he knows he knows football pretty well after the time with Rafa and everything. So I mean, yeah, could happen. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's good call. Good call. Yes. Yes. Why not? We we hop back to. Um, Phil Cardi says Paolo Golf has been linked to Boca recently is he actually going or is he just a figment of Larry David's imagination well um, you said earlier that he wasn't going didn't you? I don't think it's possible I think he's a really good player I can't believe he's, he's not snapped up by someone else yeah. I really like him and he's been a consistent performer he was part of the, the great the great uh, Ordogan side <laughs> uh, he's done very well at, at um I don't know. And, and his Henry too much. Though. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> he, uh, the um, and he does have the idiosyncrasy, which has nothing to do with anything. But um, he loses his voice really, really early on. He has a problem with his with his oh, vocal cords, and they, oh, yeah. they can't fix it. And so he's always really husky in post-match uh, interviews. That's just a by the by. It's going to make him a great coach. Yes. With a bit of whiskey. Exactly. Yeah, he's going to be the new Basile. Yeah. Phil also asks, based on what you've seen during the Doneo Inicial, which team do you think is best positioned to win the Doneo Final? What's the question? This is one of the reasons that we love Argentine football, is because it's just impossible to say who's going to win the championship in six months' time. Um, the same teams that... Certain sides are going to be in the Libertadores, of course. Yeah, but I think the same teams that challenged this year are um, going to be out there again. There's Racing and River, and Everton. Lanús, Newells. Uh, I think they're going to going to start the favourites I wouldn't be surprised if Boca um, kind of research mm. yeah they should make yeah. a challenge and then apart from that if Newell's can sort out the goal scoring problem then they should be stronger during the final I would have thought yeah. if um, comes back they have something's been talked about at the moment yeah cold chested the end of the tournament quite spectacularly and apparently that's what Newell's do when you bottle yeah. things you said to have a, a cold chest um, and that's definitely what Newell's did this time around I think there'll be a determination to not do it again perhaps it's, but it's very difficult to say at this juncture. We will, of course, be addressing that question in more detail in the uh, first or second hand of pod. Um, I imagine the first hand of pod of 2014. Yeah. But so any wild cards we can save from the teams that finished strongly? I wouldn't rule out a late desperate charge by Colón. I mean, <laughs> they're going to really be something pretty spectacular if they're going to stay up. Um, no, wild cards. Have a look at the, um, Central maybe he came on very strong in the second half Olimpo won the last four matches remember? no Olimpo forget that Central Rafaela can keep it up and just a little bit I'm going to support Rafaela during the Donnell Final fair enough or Arsenal of course they, they, they should also be mentioned as a contender they, um, did, they did finish they fifth but they were only three points behind San Lorenzo it's amazing how everyone forgets about Arsenal yeah, <laughs> always apart from Santi obviously which is why we get on sometimes Finally, oh, good grief. VSVNP asks, who was the greatest footballer from the Pampas? This question came in 16 minutes ago, so um, I apologise for not giving you more time to research it, gents, but I'm going to sit Batistuta. Yeah, that's probably a good shout. We're going to say Batistuta because yeah. he's the only one we can think of who was definitely born in that region. Um, also, like one of the all-time top scorers for the national team. That as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad. At the moment, he gets it by default. Surely. Yes. Gabriel Heinze. Plus, before you know, industrialization and um, urbanization, Buenos Aires was part of the Pampas, right? That the whole area of Buenos Aires province and 
It's all on the pass. Of course it is, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. pan pass with the sweet That's, that's so going to make it a lot easier. Pan pass with the sweet tea and that's on the ending. Maradon. Yeah. Maradon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 seen a blade of grass I'm waiting for you guys to beat Batistuta. I'm sticking with Aragon. Based on the historical. <laughs> <Aragon. laughs> Based on the historical. I don't plans. think Urban Buenos Aires quite counts as a number. One day it was. Um, yeah, before it was. <laughs> no, let's go for Batistuta. We're, we're saying Batistuta. Uh, there is no mystic sound this week because there's nothing to predict apart from an incredibly hot summer. I think I'm fairly safe in saying that. The way the Mystic Sound goes, you'll start pissing out <laughs> so about 10 degrees Celsius tomorrow onwards. You dare. refreshing. Um, we hope, as I said at the start of the show, that if you're celebrating Christmas, you have a good one. Thank you very much for listening to us for another year of Hand Pod. Please come back in 2014. We'll be back towards the end of January or maybe the first weekend of February um, for to preview the Torneo Final, which is going to have a very interesting schedule because there are about... Ten midweek rounds or something. Oh, got to wrap the whole thing up to the World Cup, so it's going to be very awkward to um, to podcast through it. But we will manage somehow. Yeah, pain in the ass going to the games as well. It is. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a pain in the ass as I do. It's mm. going to be a pain in the ass writing previews for them before the previous matches are finished. Um, anyway, enough bitching about our jobs. Uh, have a good Christmas. Have a good New Year, and we will see you in 2014. It's goodbye from English Town. Goodbye and happy Christmas. Goodbye from Joel. Goodbye, Felicity Fiestas. And goodbye from me and Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm.